Section 5, Chapters 8 and 9 of The Story of Books by Gertrude Burford Rawlings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Adam Marcetich, August 2010. Chapter 8, Gutenberg and the Mentz Press. Johann or Hans Gutenberg was born at Mentz in or about the year 1400. His father's name was Gensfleisch, but he is always known by his mother's maiden name of Gutenberg or Gutemberg. It was customary in Germany at that time for a son to assume his mother's name if it happened that she had no other kinsman to carry it on. Of Gutenberg's early life, of his education or profession, we know nothing, but we know that his family, with many of their fellow citizens, left Mentz when Gutenberg was about twenty years of age, on account of the disturbed state of the city. They probably went to Strasbourg, but this is uncertain. In 1430, Gutenberg's name appears, among others, in an amnesty granted to such of the Mentz citizens as had left the city, by the elector Conrad III, but apparently he continued to live in Strasbourg. Two years later, he visited Mentz, probably about a pension granted by the magistrates to his widowed mother. This is practically all that is known of the earlier part of Gutenberg's life. It is curious that nearly all the recorded information concerning Gutenberg is in connection either with lawsuits or with the raising of money. From the contracts for borrowing or repaying money into which he entered, we gather that he was always hard-pressed, and that his invention ran away with a good deal of gold and paid back none. Gutenberg cast his bread on the waters, and it is we who have found it. The first known event of his life, which directly concerns our subject, is a lawsuit brought against him by Jörg Dritzen. Mr. Hessels implies, although he does not actually state, that he suspects the authenticity of the records of this trial, but no proof of their falsity can be adduced, and the integrity of the documents otherwise remains unquestioned. They cannot now, however, be subjected to further examination, for they were burnt in 1870 at the time of the siege of Strasbourg. The action in question was brought against Gutenberg in 1439 by Jörg Dritzen, the brother of one Andres Dritzen, deceased, for the restitution of certain rights which he considered due to himself as his brother's heir. From the testimony of the witnesses as set down in the records of the trial, we gather that Gutenberg had entered into partnership with Hans Riffe, Andres Dritzen, and Andres Heilmann, and one of the witnesses deposed that Dritzen, on his deathbed, asserted that Gutenberg had concealed several arts from them, which he was not obliged to show them. This did not please them, so they made a fresh arrangement with Gutenberg, and further payments into the exchequer, and to the end that Gutenberg should conceal from them none of the arts he knew. Again, Lawrence Bieldeck testified that after Andres Dritzen's death, Gutenberg sent him to Claus, Andres' brother, to tell him that he should not show to anyone the press which he had under his care, but that, 
he should take great care and go to the press and open this by means of two little buttons whereby the pieces would fall asunder he should thereupon put those pieces in or on the press after which nobody could see or comprehend anything besides this hans niger von bischom wiesensheim said that andreas dritzen applied to him for a loan and when witness asked him about his occupation answered that he was a maker of looking-glasses later on a pilgrimage to i la chapelle about the looking-glasses is mentioned by these records from mr hessel's tradition of which the above quotations are taken two things at least are made clear first that gutenberg was in possession of the knowledge of an art unknown to his companions which he was desirous of keeping to himself and which those not in the secret wished to learn and secondly that a press containing some important and mysterious pieces was not to be exhibited to outsiders until the pieces had been separated played a prominent part in this secret work the looking-glasses apparently were imaginary and intended for the misleading of two curious inquirers but it has been ingeniously suggested that the word spiegel or looking-glass was a cryptic reference to the spiegel onser behodenisse or mirror of salvation and that gutenberg and his assistants were engaged in preparing the printed speculum for sale at the forthcoming fair held on the occasion of the pilgrimages to aix la chapelle in fourteen thirty nine this part of his plan however was frustrated by the postponement of the fair for a year it is hardly to be doubted that the researches privately conducted in the deserted convent of st arbogastus where gutenberg dwelt concerned the great invention usually linked with his name were this probability an absolute certainty then strasburg might successfully dispute with mentz the title of birthplace of the art of printing but to what stage gutenberg carried his labors in the old convent or how far he proceeded towards the goal of his ambition is not known though it has been conjectured that possibly he and those in his confidence got as far as the making of matrices for types and that perhaps even the types used for the earliest extant specimens of type printing were cast there although not used until gutenberg had returned to mentz on the other hand there are many who think that matrices and punches are due to the ingenuity of peter schoffer to whom reference is made below when gutenberg left strasburg for mentz is not known but he was in the latter city in fourteen forty eight as is testified by a deed relating to a loan which he had raised his constant pecuniary difficulties resulted in his entering into partnership in fourteen fifty with the goldsmith johann fust or faust a rich burgher of mentz who contributed large loans towards the working expenses and was evidently to share in the profits of the press fust or faust the printer of mentz has sometimes been identified with the faust of german legend 
the dealings in the black art related of the one have also been ascribed to the other by various story-tellers some of whom say that in paris faust the printer narrowly escaped being burnt as a wizard for selling books which looked like manuscripts and yet were not manuscripts the first printed letters it should be observed were exactly copied from the manuscript letters then in vogue the first really definite recorded event in the history of gutenberg's printing was a lawsuit brought against him by faust in fourteen fifty five when gutenberg had to give an account of the receipts and expenditure relating to his work and to hand over to faust all his apparatus in discharge of his debt the partnership was of course dissolved gutenberg left mentz and faust continued the printing assisted by peter schoeffer schoeffer was a servant of faust's who had further associated himself with the establishment by marrying faust's daughter and to him some attribute the improvement of the methods then employed by devising matrices and punches for casting metal types it has even been suggested that this device of his communicated to faust induced the latter to rid himself of gutenberg by demanding repayment of his advances when gutenberg was unable to meet the call and that having gained possession of his partner's apparatus he was able with the help of chauffeur and his inventions to carry on the work to his own profit and glory but it is difficult to know whether to look upon faust as a grasping and treacherous money-lender or as a prudent and enterprising man of business however this may be at the time of the lawsuit the work of years was already perfected printing with movable types was now an accomplished thing and the great mazarin bible if not finished was at any rate on the point of completion the earliest extant specimens of printing from types however are assigned to the year fourteen fifty four these are some letters of indulgence issued by pope nicholas v to the supporters of the king of cyprus in his war with the turks they consist of single sheets of vellum printed on one side only and measuring eleven by seven inches they fall into two classes of each of which there were various issues that is to say one those containing thirty lines and two those containing thirty-one lines the thirty-line indulgence is printed partly in the type used for the mazarin bible the thirty-one-line indulgence is partly printed in type which is the same as that used for books printed by albrecht pfister at bamberg and for a bible which disputes with the mazarin bible the position of the first printed book who printed these indulgences is not certainly known both emanated from the mentz press and it is not unreasonable to believe that both were executed by gutenberg since the mazarin bible is most probably his work and since the types used by pfister were perhaps at one time possessed by gutenberg still the point is not clear and the more general view is that they were the work of two different printers 
some attribute the thirty-line indulgence to chauffeur on the ground that some of its initial letters are reproduced in an indulgence of fourteen eighty nine known to be chauffeur's workmanship yet there seems no reason why chauffeur in fourteen eighty nine should not have made use of gutenberg's types indeed it is very probable that he had every chance of doing so as may be seen from the above account of the dissolution of partnership between gutenberg and fust those who assign the thirty-line specimen to chauffeur consider the thirty-one-line specimen to be gutenberg's work and though we have no proof of this says mr e gordon duff who holds this view or indeed of gutenberg's having printed any book at all there is a strong weight of circumstantial evidence in his favor it may be taken for granted then although proof is wanting that gutenberg printed at least one of these indulgences and perhaps both in any case these are the first productions of the printing press to which a definite date can be assigned some of them have a printed date and in other copies the date has been inserted in manuscript the earliest specimens of each class belong to the year fourteen fifty four the next production of the mens press as is generally believed is the beautiful volume known as the gutenberg bible or the mazarin bible because it was a copy in the library of cardinal mazarin which first attracted attention and led bibliographers to inquire into its history it illustrates a most remarkable fact that is the extraordinary degree of perfection to which the art of printing attained all but simultaneously with its birth even though we cannot tell how long gutenberg experimented before producing this book it is none the less amazing that as a specimen of typographic art the mazarin bible has never been excelled even by the cleverest printers and the most modern and elaborate apparatus it was probably not begun before fourteen fifty the year when gutenberg and fust joined forces and was completed certainly not later than fourteen fifty six this latter date is fixed by a colophon written in the second volume of the copy in the bibliothèque nationale at paris which informs us that this book was illuminated bound and perfected by heinrich kremer vicar of the collegiate church of st stephen in mentz on the feast of the assumption of the blessed virgin in the year of our lord fourteen fifty six thanks be to god hallelujah a similar note is affixed to the first volume it is believed by competent authorities that this and all very early printed books were printed one page at a time owing to an inadequate supply of type a process exceedingly slow and productive of numerous small variations in the text the work of printing the mazarin bible was in all probability interrupted to allow of the execution of the more immediately needed letters of indulgence in certain parts of which as we have said some of the types used in the mazarin bible are employed we must not omit to mention here another bible issued from mentz about this time it has thirty-six lines to a column 
and is therefore known as the 36-line Bible, in distinction to the 42-line or Mazarin Bible. It exhibits a larger type, and is regarded by some as the first book printed at the Mentz Press, and, for all that can be proved to the contrary, it is so. Although the point is still undecided, this volume may, at any rate, be safely regarded as contemporary with the Mazarin Bible. The Mazarin Bible is in Latin, and printed in the characters known as Gothic, or black letter. These were closely modeled on the form of the handwriting used at that time for Bibles and kindred works. It is in two volumes, and each page, excepting a few at the beginning, has two columns of forty-two lines, and each is provided with rubrics, inserted by hand, while the small initials of the sentences have a touch of red, also put in by hand. Some copies are of vellum, others of paper, but henceforward the use of vellum declines. The Mazarin Bible is usually considered to be the joint work of Gutenberg and Fust. Mr. Winter Jones has conjectured that the metal types used in early printing were cut by the goldsmiths, and that Fust's skill, as well as his money, were pressed into Gutenberg's service. But if, as some have thought, Fust provided money only, while Gutenberg was the working partner, then Fust would hardly have been concerned in its actual production until 1455, when he and Gutenberg separated. Even then, supposing the book to have been still unfinished, it is quite possible that Schoeffer did the work, but no one is able to decide the exact parts played by those three associated and most noted printers of Mentz. Conjecture alone can allot them. Gutenberg retired to Mentz in 1456 and made a fresh start, aided financially by Dr. Conrad Homery. Here again, we are confronted with a want of direct evidence and can point to no books as certainly being the work of Gutenberg. But there are good reasons for believing that under this new arrangement he printed the Catholicon, or Latin Grammar and Dictionary, of John of Genoa, the Tractatus Rationis et Conscientiae of Matthias de Cracovia, Summa de Articulis Fidei of Aquinas, and an indulgence of 1461. There is a colophon to the Catholicon, which may possibly have been written by Gutenberg, which runs as follows. By the assistance of the Most High, at whose will the tongues of children become eloquent, and who often reveals to babes what he hides from the wise, this renowned book, the Catholicon, was printed and perfected in the year of the Incarnation 1460 in the beloved city of Mentz, which belongs to the illustrious German nation, whom God has consented to prefer and to raise with such an exalted light of the mind and free grace above the other nations of the earth, not by means of reed, style, or pen, but by the admirable proportion, harmony, and connection of the punches and types. A metrical doxology follows. 
A few other and smaller works have also been believed to have been executed by Gutenberg at this time, but with no certainty. In 1465, Gutenberg was made one of the gentlemen of the court to Adolf II, Count of Nassau and Archbishop of Mentz, and presumably abandoned his printing on acceding to this dignity. In 1467 or 1468, Gutenberg died, and thus ends the meagre list of facts which we have concerning the life and career of the first printer. To nearly every question which we might wish to ask about Gutenberg and his work, one of two answers has to be given. It is not known, or perhaps, he does not speak for himself and none of his personal acquaintance, or his family, if he had any, speak for him. We have no reason to believe that his work brought him any particular honor, and certainly it brought him no wealth. It has been suggested, however, that the post offered to him by the archbishop was in recognition of his invention, since there is no other reason apparent why the dignity was conferred but we may well conclude this account of gutenberg with de vinnie's words that there is no other instance in modern history excepting possibly shakespeare of a man who did so much and said so little about it faust the former partner of gutenberg died in fourteen sixty six leaving a son to succeed him in the partnership with chauffeur and Schoffer died about 1502. Of his three sons, all printers, the eldest, Johann, continued to work at Mentz until about 1533. The most notable books issued by Fust and Schoffer were the Psalter of 1457 and the Latin Bible of 1462. The Bible of 1462 is the first Bible with a date, the Psalter of 1457 is famous as being the first printed Psalter, the first printed book with a date, the first example of printing in colors, the first book with a printed colophon, and the first printed book containing musical notes, although these last are not printed but inserted by hand. The color printing is shown by the red and blue initials, but by what process they were executed has been the subject of much discussion. They are generally supposed to have been added after the rest of the page had been printed by means of a stamp. The colophon is written in the curious Latin, affected by the early printers, and Mr. Pollard offers the following as a rough rendering. The present book of Psalms, adorned with beauty of capitals, and sufficiently marked out with rubrics, has been thus fashioned by an ingenious invention of printing and stamping, and to the worship of God diligently brought to completion by Johann Faust, a citizen of Mentz, and Peter Schoffer of Gernsheim, in the year of our Lord, 1457, on the vigil of the Feast of the Assumption. These two printers also produced, in 1465, an edition of the De Officius of Cicero, which shares with the Lactantius, printed in the same year at Subiaco, 
near Rome, by Swainheim and Panarts, the honor of exhibiting to the world the first Greek types, and with the same printers, Cicero de Oratore, that of being the first printed Latin classic, unless an undated de officius, printed at Cologne by Ulrich Zell about this time, is the real first. End of chapter 8 Chapter 9 Early Printing Wherever typography originated, it was from Mentz that it was taught to the world. The disturbances in that city in 1462 drove many of its citizens from their homes, and the German printers were thus dispersed over Europe. Within a little more than twenty years from the time of the first issue from the Mentz printing press, other presses were established at Strasbourg, Bamberg, Cologne, Augsburg, Nuremberg, Spires, Alm, Lübeck, and Breslau, Basle, Rome, Venice, Florence, Naples, and many other Italian cities, Paris and Lyon, Bruges, and in 1477 at Westminster. Before the end of the 15th century, 18 European countries were printing books. Italy heads the list with 71 cities in which presses were at work. Germany follows with 50, France with 36, Spain with 26, Holland with 14, and after these, England's four printing places, Westminster, London, Oxford, and St. Albans, make a somewhat small show. Some other countries, however, had but one printing town. With the possible exception of Holland, England and Scotland are the only countries which are indebted to a native and not, as in every case save that of Ireland, to a German for the introduction of printing. The early printers were more than mere workmen. They were usually editors and publishers as well. Some of them were associated with scholars who did the editorial work. Swainheim and Panarts, for instance, the first to set up a press in Italy, had the benefit of the services of the Bishop of Aleria, and their rival, Ulrich Hahn, enjoyed for a while the assistance of the celebrated Campanus. Aldus Manutius, too, the founder of the Aldine Press at Venice, though himself a literary man and a learned editor, availed himself of the help of several Greek scholars in the revising and correcting of classical texts. The exact relations of these editors to the printers, however, is not known. The English printer, Caxton, who also was a scholar, usually, though not invariably, edited his publications himself. The first printers were also booksellers, and sold other people's books as well as their own. Several of their catalogues or advertisements still exist. The earliest known book advertisements are some issued by Peter Schoeffer, one, dating from about 1469, giving a list of 21 books for sale by himself or his agents in the several towns where he had established branches of his business, and another, advertising an edition of St. Jerome's Epistles, published in 
published by Schoeffer at Mentz in 1470. An advertisement by Caxton is also extant, and being short, as well as interesting, may be quoted here. It is as follows. If it please any man spiritual or temporal to buy any pyres of two and three commemoratios of Salisbury, use imprinted after the form of this preset letter, which been well and truly correct, let him come to Westminster, into the Elmansire, at the reed pale, and he shall have them good cheap. Supplico stet sedula. The date of this notice is about 1477 or 1478. Other extant examples of early advertisements are those of John Mentelin, a Strasbourg printer, issued about 1470, and of Anthony Koberger of Nuremberg, issued about ten years later. In 1495, Koberger advertised the Nuremberg Chronicle. Early printed books exhibit a very limited range of subject, and were hardly ever used to introduce a new contemporary writer. Theology and jurisprudence in Germany, and the classics in Italy, inaugurated the new invention, and lighter fare was not served to the patrons of printed literature until a later date. Italy made the first departure, and took up history, romance, and poetry. France began with the classics, and then neglected them for romances and more popular works, but at the same time became noted for the beautifully illuminated service books produced at Paris and Rouen, and which supplied the clergy of both France and England. England, who received printing twelve years after Italy, and seven years after France, made more variety in her books than any. Caxton's productions consist of works dealing with subjects of wider interest, even if less learned and improving. Romances, chess, good manners, Aesop's fables, the Canterbury Tales, and the adventures of Reynard the Fox. From what sort of type the Bible usually considered to be the first printed book was produced is not known. Some competent authorities think that wooden types were used. Others are in favor of metal, and, like the late Mr. Winter Jones, scout the notion of wooden types and consider them impossible things. But Skeen, in his early typography, declares that hard wood would print better than soft lead, such as blades hints that Caxton's types were made of, and to illustrate the possibility of wooden types, prints a word in Gothic characters from letters cut in boxwood. The objections made to types of this nature are that they would be too weak to bear the press, and never stand washing and cleaning, and would swell when wet and shrink when dried. Some have thought that the early types were made by stamping half-molten metal with wooden punches, and so forming matrices from which the types were subsequently cast. As we have already noticed in connection with the Mazarin Bible, the forms of the types were copied from the Gothic or black-letter characters 
in which Bibles, Psalters, and Missals were then written. When Roman type was first cut is uncertain. The R printer of Strasbourg, whose name is unknown, and whose works are dated only by conjecture, may have been the first to use it. It was employed by Swenheim and Panarts in 1467, and by the first printers in Paris and Venice. It was brought to the greatest perfection by Nicholas Jensen, a Frenchman working in Venice. Caxton never employed it, and it was not introduced into England until 1509. In that year, Richard Pinson, a London printer and a naturalized Englishman, though Norman by birth, used some Roman type in portions of the Sermo Fratris Hieronymi de Ferrara, and in 1518 he produced Horatio Riccardi Passeate, which was entirely printed in these characters. Had the idea of the title page, in the modern sense of the term, a very obvious idea, as it seems to us, occurred to the first printers, we should not have to sharpen our wits on the hundred and one doubtful points with which the subject of early bibliography bristles. Today, the title page not only introduces the book itself, but declares the name of the writer and the publisher, and the time and place of publication. But during the first sixty years of printing, title pages were rare, and the old methods followed by the scribes in writing their manuscript books still obtained. The subject matter began with insipit, or here beginneth, etc., according to the language in which the work was written, and such information as the printer considered it desirable to impart was contained in the colophon, or note affixed to the end of the book. More often than not, these colophons are irritatingly reticent, and withhold the very thing we want to know. At other times they are informing, and in some cases amusing. Dr. Garrett has suggested that as a literary pastime, someone might do worse than collect 15th century colophons into a volume, for the sake of their biographical and personal interest, but I am not aware that his idea has been carried out. Two colophons have already been quoted here, the first printed colophon, and one which is possibly from the pen of Gutenberg, a quaint specimen found in a volume of Cicero's Orationes Philippicae, printed at Rome by Ulrich Hahn, about 1470, descends to puns. It is in Latin verse, and supposed by some to have been written by Cardinal Campanus, who edited several of Hahn's publications. It informs the descendants of the geese who saved the capital that they need have no more fear for their feathers, for the art of Ulrich the cock, German Hahn equals Latin Gallus equals English cock, will provide a potent substitute for quills. A colophon to Cicero's Epistoliae Familiares, printed at Venice in 1469 by Johannes de Spira, declares with pardonable pride 
that he had printed two editions of three hundred copies in four months. The first book, with any attempt at a title page, is the Sermo ad Populum Predicabilis, printed at Cologne in 1470 by Arnold Therhornen, but a full title page was not generally adopted till fifty years later. The first English title page is very brief, and reads as follows. A passing good little book, necessary and behoful against the pestilence. This good little book, written by Canutus, Bishop of Aarhus, was printed in London about 1482 by Machlinia. A later development of the title page was a full-page woodcut, headed by the name of the work, as in the King Richard Cour du Lyon, printed in 1528 by Winken de Ward. The same woodcut does duty in another of the same printer's books for Robert the Devil. Early title pages in Latin sometimes render the names of familiar places of publication in a very unfamiliar form. London may appear as Augusta Trinobantum, Edinburgh as Anita, Dublin as Eblana. Some towns are easily recognized by their Latin names, such as Roma or Venetiae. Others are less obvious, such as Moguntia or Mentz, Lutetia or Paris, Argentina or Strasbourg. Several places had more than one Latin form of name. London, for example, was also Londinium, and Edinburgh, Edinburghim. Pagination, or numbering of the pages, was first introduced by Arnold Therhornen in the same book in which he gives us the first title page, and to which reference has already been made. He did not place the figures at the top corner, however, but in the center of the right-hand margin. The practice of printing the first word of a leaf at the foot of the leaf preceding, as a guide for the arrangement of the sheets, was first employed by Vindelinus de Spira of Venice in the Tacitus, which he printed about 1469. End of chapter 9 End of section 5